We have fights on and off the field. We'll tell you what we're talking about this week on the Indie Ball Report podcast. We're back again, episode number 230. Ryan's made his way to the roof this week, so he's nearly sought freedom. But uh, good news is I have a crossbow, so he won't be getting very far. The shingles are so scratchy. Hey, at least it's not 90 degrees again this week. Otherwise, you'd be burning yourself, too. Nah, Bubba, lizard time. Love it. Lizards. God. Let me gather. I work in a cold office. I love to get outside and thawing out. (laughs) Totally normal and well-adjusted. You strike me as the kind of guy that keeps reptiles. Oh, hell no. No, no, no. Really? Me and snakes have a bad history. Nope. Out on that. What about frogs? Eh, frogs take them or leave them. All right. Turtles? Yeah, take them or leave them. Geckos. Really, it's just me and snakes got big issues going on. Okay. And, like, the alligator situation's not good either. But they're amphibious, aren't they? I believe alligators At the risk are. of sounding dumb as hell. <laughs> they're amphibians, aren't they? <laughs> Uh, I believe, actually, frogs would be amphibians. Uh, so I messed that up. But no, I believe Shoot. an alligator is still a reptile. Okay. Um, okay. Well, sorry, I'm not as, uh, a crocodile. as well versed in the zoology as I am the crypto zoology. We're going to do a 90 minute podcast on the Mothman. See, this is why you like West Virginia. So that, way you can have the, so that way you can have that Charleston Mothman alternate identity going. Hey, man. <laughs> what, what did he know? Why didn't he stop him? Could he not stop it? Look, Seems a little far-fetched. With the, with the way you're getting into cryptozoology here, which is a one hell of a way to start off a baseball show. This is a baseball show, mm-hmm. by the way, for those that are tuning in for the first time. So you're probably already confused if you made it two and a half minutes in. But with the way you're into cryptozoology... I'm surprised you don't just go over the state line to New Jersey, because realistically, you're not that far from the Pineys and the supposed Jersey Devil. Don't get me started on the Jersey Devil. We just said we're going to try to keep this thing to 90 minutes. That's not where you want to go here. We're going to put a pin in this. We're going to circle back to it, because I'm curious to see what you have to say. And I'm going to just leave off the topic with the phrase of, even the Native Americans knew not to go into the Pineys. Don't settle them. They're haunted. That's what they said. Now, they were right, but just not in the way they thought they were right. Because as anyone from New Jersey knows, you don't go to the Pineys. It's just, you don't go there. There's problems. Lots of problems. Reaching, hanging out in the woods, sitting in trees, following people. Dude, it's just like every drunk dude I've met at the beach in Jersey. Like, I'm not, I got, I got a pretty clear idea what's going on there. It's like Alabama if you just didn't want to travel that far south. No, son. It's Chris Christie. (laughs) No, he hangs out in Nabisco factories. Uh, Anywho. (laughs) Anywho. We we actually have some news we got to get to this week before we get into baseball. Because last week we said this week's show is going to be about baseball. Three minutes in, as you can see, we're already deep into the actual game of baseball. So... Let's take a break from talking about baseball and talk about baseball news. Oh, yeah, big dog. Let's go. Oh, this is already a great start following up a big episode last week. And speaking of last week, we were talking about Gastonia as a headliner. We'll hit it off with a quick update over there uh, because it appears that they've addressed at least one of the concerns that was raised in the uh, payment issues they had, which is 
emergency services have been paid. They will continue to have EMS and police at games. We know this because they sent out a marketing email saying as much and then capping off the email with tickets are still available for $9 a piece and $15 a piece. I believe one of those numbers was for group sales. So if you are wanting to show potential ownership groups that this market still cares about baseball, can still turn out and perform, and that the failing is on the upper management of the team and not uh, the regular rank-and-file employee and fan base, uh, take advantage of the cheap tickets. Plus, Honey Hunters are still doing pretty solid. You know, maybe not as good as High Point's doing, but still a very solid team, almost certainly a playoff-bound team as well. Yeah, and uh, I've kind of had some people talk to me about it down there in Gastonia. Like, you know, they kind of feel weird about spending their money with the team. And I, I have been trying to tell as many people as possible, your ticket, like, I'm not to, like, you know, talk down the amount of money spent on the ticket. I'm more looking at just the sheer amount of money owed by the organization. Your ticket ain't going to bail out the organization. Man. They're, there's no way they're not looking to sell this thing. Really, what you can do... By spending your money supporting the players, um, you know, being being present, enjoying a game as much as possible, as long as that's a place you're comfortable being, uh, you know, you can show that potential new ownership that, uh, you know, it's not us, it's them, essentially, when it comes to the ownership and the fan base. So uh, showing that, like, there's a fan base that's willing to support it. When there's uh, an ownership group that seems to respect the fans, the employees, the players, the local businesses in the city, like... I think it's important because I do think there are potential owners here. It's just, you know, if they're not to make things seem dramatic or desperate, but like if one of those owners doesn't land, now there's a $26 million ballpark that's been used for three seasons sitting there. And either it will have a team with a bad history of paying bills or it will not have any team. So, you know, definitely rooting for you. Like it is definitely a priority to get a team back in there. So if, if you like baseball, I think, at the very least, don't feel bad about spending some money to see them play and support the team. And maybe, just maybe, feel good about doing it because you might be helping out your city. Exactly. That and also, there is the third possibility, I guess, if there being a summer college team put in there again. I imagine Coastal Plains like, may be eyeing that up. I mean, you have a really nice brand new ballpark. That would be a phenomenal oh, get for them. But You know they would be about that life. Like, yeah, I agree completely. Exactly. It's just when you're operating on a summer college level, it's going to be so incredibly difficult to make enough money to make that investment even seem remotely palatable. Not the ideal outcome for anybody. And also, part, part of what your money is going to go to is more than likely making sure that the employees are getting paid. So <laughs> that's a well, nice... Hopefully. Yeah, we'd hope. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's not yeah. going to something uh, else. But yeah, so that is certainly... Certainly another reason there. But yeah, to show support for the team, show support for the players too. Imagine being one of those guys in the locker room right now too. Uh, I'm sure it would be at least somewhat comforting for a lot of those guys to say, hey, there are people here that are supporting us. They're coming out to the ballpark. You know, it'd be nice to see that too. So it's not so much a support of an ownership group as much as a support of the organization. It's separating in a way, like art from artist, you're separating organization from ownership. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, as you talk about it with that possible college summer league, I'm also thinking, I mean, they're right within the boundaries, essentially, the very close to the footprint of the Appalachian League, which is, you know, 
You just it, put the college thing. summer. So, I mean, that is an option. I was just looking at the draft league footprint too, but the draft league is so northern and small, but the draft league only has six teams and assuming Frederick probably makes a full jump to the Atlantic league, you got to figure they're down to five soon. So they could be looking to add, even though they're not really close to North Carolina at this point, but something to keep an eye on. There's definitely options out there. Yeah. I was about to say, don't put that evil uh, draft league energy on me. Dude, I, I hate that draft league. Why? Because Trash. it's taking good markets that could have professional baseball and siphoning them off for some yeah. nonsense exercise and semi-pro ball, which is what it is. Yeah, and I don't know. All those markets are so strange. Like, I get what the Appalachian League was kind of doing here, but that, like, pseudo-attached, like, all this, I don't know. Look, I, I'm not well-versed up on the draft league. I, I know a couple of the organizations that did have the feel of, like, you know, they're so desperate to be attached to MLB that they'll do that instead of, you know, pursuing some independent options, which is weird because, like, these leagues or partner leagues, or at least the big four, are, like, I don't know. They, we won't go down that rabbit hole necessarily on what we feel about that. So it's definitely going to be time for that, especially in the off season as we do. We're going to have, like, I don't know. If, I don't know if you use the phrase, but the phrase, like, silly season. Yeah. Where, uh, like, huge in the NASCAR circle of, like, silly season of everybody switching rides and teams. Like, it's definitely that vibe. Like, I feel like this is going to be an off season where we could see some action here, which I, we'll actually talk about with another topic coming up. But, yeah, yeah it's going to be really fun to, to watch. I'm glad that we'll have time to talk it to yeah. Oh god, yeah. See, that's the one fun thing about come November through like it stops being fun like January, but you know that like two three month period where you just kind of able to kind of like do whatever you want and just talk about crazy stuff and really start to go off the deep end a little bit is where it gets real fun, and also where these shows are going to wind up being like three hours because I won't have to reasonably cut anything. You're right, and so before we get into that other topic, because that's the other, I guess, more major thing, because I'm, we can switch it up and come back to the Atlantic League in just a second here, but we do have one other point on Gastonia, which is rumor has it going around. I know I've heard a little bit about it. Not sure if you've heard a little bit about it, but I've heard a little bit about it, that apparently guys are showing up in the Gastonia room and they're being greeted with non-disclosure agreements. So it seems like there is some pressure coming from above to below to keep these players from really uh, talking about what's going on. Personally and selfishly, I don't want to see them sign it. But also, logically speaking here, if you're a player that signs that, what recourse are you going to have from there? Yeah, um, I happen to be hearing some of the same things with some quick background there. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a tough situation. You can obviously understand either way. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I ran that whole story. A lot of guys weren't, you know, looking to talk. A lot of guys I normally talk to weren't looking to talk. I totally get it. Like, that's not a comfortable situation. I, I work really hard to not <laughs> ask people, uh, even guys I'm familiar with. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say if they find themselves in a situation, I guess the other options would be, you know, roll the dice that they're not about to let you go because they're going to have to go pay for someone else. Um, or yeah. you can, you know, Go ahead and sign it. And honestly, if you weren't intending to talk about anything, it's fine anyway. So, yeah. and then there's a lot of guys who can probably sign it without any worry. Um, if you're one of the people, I mean, on principle or otherwise, though, who decide not to sign it and they do get rid of you, I mean, uh, I, I mean, there was some chatter about guys being concerned about being blacklisted. Just it was never said, to be clear, uh, when speaking to the Atlantic League when the original paycheck issue was happening and they were talking about uh, forfeiting and boycotting that uh, Friday night game in Southern Maryland. But they were, things were said with a tone and sort of a, a 
a verbiage that made guys, multiple guys, think, hmm, like, are, will we get blacklisted if we do this? And that kind of redirected things back toward, okay, we're playing some ball tonight. But um, I, it's my opinion where, I mean, the league can try to do it. It's a threat that they've held over people's heads before, famously with the uh, mid-season move of the mound that they uh, attempted for a rule experiment. But I, I just come back to as somebody who has done some baseball ops for an, a team in the Atlantic League and who knows people doing baseball ops. I just think if you're a good ball player, you're going to, you know, if you're one of the top ball players, you're a team that's going to get you. They don't care if there's sort of an agreed upon thing. Like, do you really think Long Island is going to be that stuck on it? If they need a second baseman in a pinch, like, let's be honest. And if you're not one of the top guys, like, you'll probably still find a home in the American Association and won't be that big of a difference to you. Like, that's my thing. It's easy for me to say it's talking about other people's livelihoods, but that's just from the inside out, from the outside in, there we are. Um, that's kind of where I'm, I'm seeing things. You see, that's the thing I always come back to, too. Unless there's an agreement across all the, and I'm going to gag saying this term, partner leagues. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but unless there's an agreement across the board there, you're going to find a place to go more than likely. Generally speaking, at worst for Atlantic League players in Atlantic League talent, especially one that's on, what would you say, the second or well, third best, I guess, at the moment, team in the league who had an amazing first half that just fell a little bit short, you're going to find a home in the American Association more than likely. And if worse comes to worse, the Frontier League will take you. Now, granted, there's going to be a pay cut there. No doubt about that. But still, there's going to be places for you to go. And depending on who you are, like you said, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get released. If you're like the bottom guy in the bullpen, then yeah, you're probably going to have a lot more risk saying something than if you are the, you know, guy batting the three-hole every night. So, you know, it, it depends how it goes. Also, I understand, too, from a certain perspective, given the time of year where we're starting to have the Mexican League wrap up and guys start to come back to the Atlantic League that left in, like, May and June. So maybe, you know, if you're a little bit further down on the bench, maybe you're a little bit concerned about that. But at the same point, like, you know, I, I don't know if they really want to go down that road. I just, I totally get though, not wanting to sign the thing on principle and just trying to avoid any sort of legal headache. But I just think the bigger, the bigger picture here is that, you know, we're reaching the point where it seems like everybody's about to get an NDA that hasn't had one yet. Which, yeah, that does seem to be where things are going. And it speaks to the crisis management of those in charge that the plan was, let's just go ahead and cap off anything further. As opposed yeah, to the crisis management. Yeah, yeah, dude. Well said. Exactly. Like, I just, it's an interesting way. And like, on one hand, I do kind of understand the, the logic and the thinking here. It's let's plug the holes in the boat and then we'll start trying to get the water out of it. But at this point, there's a gaping wound in the side of this vessel. I mean, there's nothing that's really going to salvage this thing. It's a matter of let's just try to get as close to port as we can before the mast goes under. So I just, I don't know if plugging the holes is going to be the way to go on this. It feels like if you're trying to plug the holes, you'd be better off with more of a public facing message than by going the NDA route, right? Like let's address the concerns more directly. And it feels like more of a, have a public forum of sorts would be the better way to go. It just, when you combine the NDAs and now putting like, information drops in marketing emails 
it speaks a lot to the mindset and the approach that a lot of uh, the decision makers in this situation have. Yeah, I agree. I think it's well said. Um, yeah, not too much to really add on top of that other than the fact that, um, yeah, they still haven't made a public thing. Like, I keep thinking of it as they put out public statements, but they haven't. Like, yeah. Veronica's talked to the news, and she seems very excited to do so, and she takes every opportunity, it would seem, and from yeah. what I hear from inside, which is plenty, despite the fact that she's also been um, pretty threatening towards some employees. Um, I continue to hear that she's running around like a chicken with her hair cut off and then making herself scarce when there's time, uh, when there's somebody around that could actually have some consequences for yeah. So. It doesn't seem that she has actually changed much here. Uh, and Brandon's still nowhere to be seen. So, unfortunately, it does not look like anything is changing. Um, maybe on the fortune side, that, mu- that I continues to indicate to me that this is going to be a sell. And hopefully it sells to a good owner and there's positive things in the future. Exactly. And like we said last week, hopefully and ideally, you'd have a sale done sometime in September. So that way new ownership could get mm-hmm. in there and start to do some sort of uh, control work and try to at least uh, put the door back on its hinges, even if the house is on fire. That's quite a metaphor, but yeah, I feel you. Uh, yeah. Quite a metaphor, but well said. <laughs> yeah. But uh. well, why don't we go ahead and we jump over to a team that's well ran? How about we do that? Okay, go ahead. Seeing where you're going with this. Oh, I was thinking we could talk about the Tri-City Valley Cats. Okay, fair enough. See, Go I ahead. think that's actually well What ran. you got? I got uh, information that says they're going to be in the uh, Frontier League for another three years. Yes, sir. We Very have, That article was full of fun tidbits, though. Exactly. The uh, I believe it's the Albany Times Union article. That will be linked in the show notes, as is everything. It says the Valley Cats have given written agreement to rejoin or continue their membership in the Frontier League for three more years. They still have to work out the details of the contract. Their current one they signed back in 2020 when they were first axed from affiliated ball. Uh, that expires at the end of September, the 30th of September. So they have about 60 or so days to work out the details on it. Uh, a lot of good information. In it. We'll dive into it. We'll get that sorted out and hopefully we won't spend all that much time on it because we do want to talk a lot of baseball this week. But uh, the gist of it is uh, their stadium lease goes to 2026. So hence the three years there. I imagine they're also hoping for some sort of MLB expansion from which would allow them to jump on as a probably single A affiliate or a high A affiliate of an expansion club or someone else. Uh, but even if not, ending off your Frontier League contract and your stadium contract in the same year, it does kind of work. Maybe you can do some sort of business dealing that combines the two or at the very least, it gives you a jumping off point if that's something you want to explore. We know that that number of 3,000 was the attendance number they were hoping to hit for this year. I believe they're anywhere from 400 to 600 off of that average. Granted, they still have a month left, and that's all in division games. They're currently the top team in the division. They look poised to be in the playoffs, so all that is trending very, very well for them as well there, too. Um they seem to be very happy in the Frontier League, too. They mentioned in the article explicitly 
explicitly picking the Frontier League over the Atlantic League. They seem to be happy with that decision. And, you know, I can't really fault them for that right now. True. Um, even though they don't have a league president or commissioner and they're on like number four, but whatever. Mm. Um, I still cost half as much as the Atlantic League just for rosters. So. Fair. I see where they're coming from. Exactly fair. Although one of the expenses they are concerned about is the travel uh, team president, Rick Murphy, does want to see that reduced as well as the Grays eliminated. Although it does sound like from the league that they are optimistic that the Grays will be done after this year. Mm-hmm. However, uh, we're done saying that they can't go on another year with the Grays because we've done this a couple times now. And uh, every time we say they can't do this again, they do it again. So we'll see on that front now, there. But yeah, really good article. However, have they have has the league said this? Like, have, has I'm, the league or team sounded this optimistic? I believe that the, the optimistic comment came from Steve Tassler. Let me just check the article. I want to make sure I'm right. I don't want to give wrong huh. information. Yeah, Steve Tassler said he's optimistic about finding a permanent franchise to replace the Grays next season. So that'd be for the 2024 season. So I guess it would be the highest ranking member of the league at the moment in Steve Tassler, who I'm kind of surprised has never tried his hand at just like all in being league president. I guess he just is maybe like, he knows something. Quick, get the TikTok. <laughs> like, ah, keep me out of there. Keep me off that seat, baby. Yeah, he's just like, you know what? Uh, and being number two, you never get shot. <laughs> Yeah, right. No one ever shoots the vice. Well, yeah, no one ever shoots the vice president. So my quick read between the lines on that statement is they have a couple options and they feel good about it because here's the thing: I don't think they'd be kind of shading the Grays that aggressively if the Grays were the option next year. So something is cooking. Um, I also think that you know it was he's optimistic; it's not promising much, and maybe it's just because he doesn't feel that's his place, but also. I also feel like he, you know, he doesn't want to promise anything. So um, that was just my quick read between lines. I'm at really the point, um, and we can talk about potential markets all day. Uh, but this, this does echo. You can, I know you you talked a bit there about you know Tri City staying in the league and the history there and kind of what that means. But yeah. uh, the thing that stuck out to me was the thought about the amount of travel because we actually I feel like we talked just a little bit ago about the amount of travel and. I've talked to multiple people in the Frontier League who have said the same thing. They're kind of like the travel, something's got to give on the travel, whether it's uh, playing a different type of interleague setup and breakdown where, you know, you don't have to go with the long east-west trip or you just need to, you know, maybe it's dropping some of the teams on the extremes. You're kind of locked in on those Canada brand, uh, those Canada markets that are uh, stretched up to the northeast. So maybe I'll start looking at a team like Gateway. Uh, which does fall very well within the American Association footprint, but that, you know, American Association's got an even number, so that's complicated. Uh, or maybe it's dropping one of those teams to the Atlantic League who might need a team very likely uh, within the next year. So, yeah, there's a lot to go there. We can talk about that uh, at some point. But, uh, yeah, I think it's good. I think Tri-City brings uh, a really solid market. Like, it, the, what we've learned <laughs> through this Gastonia mess, through the Lexington mess, through... Uh, God, I mean, a lot. I feel like there's one or two every year where we're like, whew. Yeah. Um, it's the value to the league and to the teams in the league of just a solid market where you know they're going to turn out solid attendance. They are going to be there all the way through. They're going to pay their damn dues. They're going to, um, you know, th- they have at least a, some 
professionals in the front office who want to bring a competitive team and a good product and some names that other people in your own ballpark will want to see when they come to town. It tries to be, it seems to be doing it right. And I think that is a huge deal for the frontier. And I could see the frontier having no interest in losing them anytime soon. Absolutely. Also, they fit very well in that footprint. And just will quickly just say, the only other thing I kind of saw was uh, there was some concern about keeping a viable path to compete with other independent leagues in the draft league, which first off, you should never actually be worried about competing with the draft league. First and foremost, there's some pygmy thing. Don't worry about them. The other independent leagues, let's be real with the budgets you're working with. You're not competing with the two above you. And again, you should not really be worried about the pioneer league. They are something entirely different. So I don't really view that as a concern unless you're saying they may bleed off attendance. But again, I don't really think that's there's a coexisting thing that's not really a real concern. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. So on that note, uh, that kind of wraps up the Valley Cat talk. One last piece of news before we can actually get into deep baseball discussion. This is one thing that you noticed. I think you were the first person to notice it, which was there was a bit of an altercation in the Spire City Long Island game. Would you like to uh, quickly explain what happened there and if we should really care or if this is just a uh, a fan saying something stupid to a player and then a player addressing it similar to uh, the situation that was a few years ago in uh, Yogi Berra with the miners having beer dumped on them. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, it was maybe because I had the privilege of rewatching. So I was trying to find any backstory possible. Yeah. I mean, maybe the hardest game to watch of the year. It was bad. It was brutal. Uh, what Spire City had six errors. Honestly, I think they could have had more. Um, Long Island had three. Honestly, I think they could have had more. It was insane. Spire City was up like eight one late, blew it. A lot of those errors collected to do that. Uh, then they went to the tenth, and then more bad fielding. Uh, an error uh, from uh, Rowdy Reed at first base, and then yeah, a little bit later in that inning to wrap up the top of the tenth. They turned double play and not like it, it was so quick. Like it both broadcasts the Long Island Spire State broadcast both. Like it took a second to pick up on what was happening, but I mean he, he recatches the ball to you know finish out the double play, and then immediately turns and like points up toward the crowd, if I recall, and then tosses the glove down on the ground and just starts heading on over. Like he was like, "Yep, this is happening now," and. uh so obviously it was something that was sitting with him for a little bit. Um, and, and he went right up into the crowd and as he started like jogging slash running up the steps into the crowd, and it is a weird situation that they have one of those, um, ones where you got the staircase up, like staircase to the clubhouse through the crowd, which uh, look like if it's not a historic ballpark, I think it's a bad idea. Like Reading has that, but it's yeah. basically like they have to walk through the concourse. There's no like steps it's just flat straight through. I, it just on so many levels a bad idea to yeah. have people walking through the concourse. You're inviting problems. Um, yes, exactly. Let's not do this, especially in the age where people can run their mouth on social media and then they get the point that, hey, in real life, it's a little bit different there. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he went for it and immediately there was like one or two fans who like took off. Like they were like, uh-oh, things, uh-oh, a consequence. Um, and then... Uh, it, it kind of lost the camera work lost them um, just because it's like a weird angle. It's trying to shoot up the first like deep up in the first base stands left or right field stands. And then he, but it, it picks up at a different angle uh, with him, like in the concourse 
being held back by a couple cops and like not necessarily held back aggressively, like with a lot of force, like just separated and sort of led back. Uh, and then a couple of teammates in there. And then there seemed to be some fans like partially off camera who might've been involved. It's hard to tell. Um, so yeah, that was super fascinating. It was even more interesting when he then batted in the bottom of the 10th inning. He was not ejected, which is crazy. Um, that was kind of what got my attention. So initially my next thought was like, well, okay, maybe it's hard to tell the bullpen is down that line. Maybe, uh, he followed another player in the Long Island broadcast at one point thought that like Victor Capion might have gone in first. Uh, that doesn't seem necessarily to be the case. I think he got ahead of Reed at one point. Uh, and maybe that's what caused that, perce- that perception, but, uh, it did seem to be Reed that went in, uh, with it being reported that there was a, a racial slur used of some sort. I mean, multiple people there. Like there was like a thousand people for being lenient in the ballpark yeah. and that thing. Everyone, like you're going to hear seemingly it. Seemingly everyone heard it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I see why. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. It, yeah. Not great. Obviously it, it's not great that he went into the crowd we'll say that but yeah. you know i think but you understand why he did it yeah uh and it, what we learned too is he was initially ejected it seems but like i think the uh the catcher for spire city last night i'm drawing a blank on who exactly it was but uh he seemed to sort of be doing some uh intervening on his on reed's behalf explaining what happened and then the ump seemed to like kind of roll that back it was complicated too because mark mccazi already had a classic minikazi ejection in the seventh inning yeah, just I've a banger that. banger um tough umping in this series but uh some bumping this yeah league. It, yeah it, it ended up getting like the ejection i guess got rolled back which is weird because i've heard in the past that once you're ejected you're ejected nothing you can do so mm, fascinating but um yeah, so he ends up being allowed to stay in the game, and that's what uh, in the game. Okay, maybe something else. It looks like here. the catcher was Cole Cotton. Yeah, that makes that follows. Yeah, which um, also I just want to point out, it also looks like uh, this August second game was also uh, Halloween, so it was like dogs in Halloween costumes too, which kind of makes. Oh it a bit yeah. Funnier. Meanwhile, there was yeah like. A staff member like running down the steps in like a dog costume. You're right, dude. Almost lost in all of that. And yeah. I don't know. Well, part of me hopes John Wood is a breakdown because it's such a series of events. And, oh my God. What's but even- like, also, I don't, I'm personally completely because I don't want to like, if you put this out there, it just makes Reed look like a bad dude. And like, yeah. he is like malice to palace energy. Like, but he is one of the like, nicest everyone guys. Everyone has come out of Warwick. He's yeah. so nice. Like, it, you know, I think we all know where to point the finger here. It, you know, we can sit here and be adults and say, hey, man, don't go into the crowd. We know it's not good. Yeah. But at the same time, like people are people. And if you're going to talk like that, like you're going to, hey, yeah. man, you There's might just have an interesting consequence going your way. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, look, it, also it happened. Uh, and then this is a player two later, it seems that he went into the crowd, which means the fan was still there. Yeah. So at that point, you're like, hey, if you're not going to take this into your own hands, like, Exactly. Might just might. Exactly. Um, that and also, it clearly wasn't any sort of a misunderstanding type of situation. Mm-hmm. It was quite clear whatever was said was done so intentionally, and the guy mm-hmm. did not feel like didn't think anything of it. He stuck around. There was no clearly. confusion. This was not. Uh, this was not again. Mouse of the palace, where like there's people standing there as a player runs them. Like me, like you're coming to me right now. It was like literally he was running. Like you'd see him run up the steps. Um, yeah, man, he knew that guy knew. Um, yeah, it's not good. And by the way, talk on this, 
this was important to have actual like security and cops at games because okay. that could have gotten real interesting real quick because there weren't two cops ready to get involved there and step in the middle and uh, you know gotta make sure you're paying them at anybody yeah. in particular. Well, look, I don't I don't know if uh, Spiracy really needed to. I'm looking at uh, Jake Ness's uh, Twitter page because he took a picture of some of the staff in the costumes. And one person's dressed up as a pink Power Ranger and another person's dressed up as a cop. So I think they had it under control. Bro, if it was somebody dressed as a cop who broke it up, I would be dying. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that. I mean, I'm yeah. not even going to talk too much more on that. It's just like, yeah, it's not good. It, yeah, it's it a is, bad situation, but you understand where Reed's coming from. And given the reputation that he has, he's more than earned the benefit of doubt on it. Yeah, I agree. That's, I think it's well said. All right. So, last piece of uh, off the field news where we can actually talk about baseball an hour and 15 Good minutes God. into the show. It's just we two suck. contract purchases. Hey, they know by now. You know by now. If you tune into this show, you know what you're getting. And that is some contract purchases. There's two of them. One is from the past Saturday. That is JD Hammer getting picked up from Lake Erie, going to the Angels. He's in AAA with the Angels, so I guess he's actually Daniel Murphy's teammate at the moment. Kind of funny how that comes mm-hmm. full circle. Uh, he was three and three with a 3.46 ERA and 52 innings of work, 46 strikeouts, 20 walks for him. And then on August the second, so what would that be? Wednesday. Uh, Trevor Clifton got picked up from Ottawa. He goes to the Blue Jays. I have not seen him assigned anywhere yet, but my guess is probably Double A would be a fairly safe bet. New Hampshire would probably be the the place he winds up going with a three one ERA or three and one record rather. My mistake. A four sixty ERA in twenty nine and a third innings. 47 strikeouts and 16 walks. So overall fairly solid. Yeah. I never know what to add on these other than like, hell yeah, brother. Like, yeah, it's always dudes. Like it's either the only time I'm ever adding something, I feel like it's negative when it's a guy or I'm like, Oh, okay. He must have one good pitch or something. But yeah, now this all checks out. Good for these guys. Love it. Yep, exactly. So just like to promote the guys are achieving what they came here to achieve. So, uh, on, on that, exactly. Uh, any case, moving along, uh, series preview this week. This is where we actually get into some heavy baseball talk because this is an interesting series for a lot of reasons. And realistically, this is more than just one series preview because this is not just, you know, one that's, oh, this is two competitive teams or these are two teams that are going to be competing for a top of division. This series has legitimate ramifications for the rest of the Frontier League season and for the playoff picture in the East. The West has been settled for quite some time, and also my heart breaks that there are going to be at least one or two really good teams in the East that are going to miss the postseason, but yet, bare minimum, one, probably two teams that are not of playoff caliber in the West are going to make it. I'm going to have some angry people in DMs for that, but hey, it's the truth. Even the people in the league know it's the truth, but hey, anywho... To our series of the week, it is Quebec. It is them heading down to Hinchcliffe for the first time to play the Jackals. That is August 8th through August 10th. That is the first series of the week. The reason why this matters is both teams are right in the thick of the division hunt. As of the time I wrote down my notes, and I'm sure those games have gone final since, but they were only about a game apart and certainly will be close enough come the start of their series where one side wins this series, Whichever side wins this series, 
is going to have a big leg up in the playoff picture. Currently, this is the wild card matchup in the East. Quebec would travel to uh, Skylands, because if you remember, the Jackals do not play playoff games at Hinchcliffe, to take on the Jackals there. Uh, they were separated by a game when I did this, to be precise. Uh, they are within three of first place, both of them. Uh, the Capitals were two and a half out of first, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, certainly could change the playoff picture entirely, especially with the Tri-City loss tonight to Empire State, although I imagine they'll bounce back. However, prior to this series, New Jersey is going to have a three-spot with Tri-City at Hinchcliffe, and then after this series, they're heading back home, or they're heading up to Albany, my mistake, to take on the uh, Valley Cats as well. We'll go into more depth as to what that can mean. In the case of Quebec, this is the last time they are playing New Jersey. They have a winning record against them. They're very good in the East. They're 500 on the road, so anything that goes there. They're a solid power team, so going into Hinchcliffe as a good power-hitting team, a team that hits home runs, certainly helps. Pitching is solid, not great, not terrible. The Jackals have gotten better pitching-wise. Not great, not terrible, but they certainly still are suffering from playing in Hinchcliffe if you're a pitcher. I think would be a mm -hmm. fair way of putting it. They have some guys, though. So it's a very evenly matched series, at least on the outside looking in. And like I said, one side that wins this is going to have a very solid line in to at the very least hosting a playoff game, and that can be a difference maker in the end. Yeah, there's a lot to say here. Um, and that doesn't even expand into what new, why this is so big. Cause New Jersey has a very different type of slate after this series of games. Exactly. Um, very which easy. Is, uh, yeah. Top and and it almost makes me feel like for this is a bigger set of games for Tri City than New Jersey. I think, mm -hmm. you know, if you're New Jersey, you've got, uh, Tri City, Quebec, Tri City over nine games. You know, if you go, four and five in that stretch you know you figure that might give tri-city a game or two on you might give quebec a game on you um but then you can go three against ottawa three against empire state three against ottawa three against trois rivieres two against empire state and that's your next set and then you have three against new york to wrap things up that is four against you new york that was four i got three let me do or a double, a double header i thought there was a double header in there uh, could be. That could be. I'm not looking at the best schedule. It's the Outsport Central one. Thomas doesn't know a doubleheader, but it just has the most convenient list to look at, so that's where I'm at. Okay. Um, Let me go to the Frontier League one, because I know New York okay. has a couple of doubleheaders in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah they I, do. I would, September 1, yeah. doubleheader. Okay. Um, but, I mean, all that said, before this four with New York, that is, again, two, uh, five of games total against Empire State, three against Twitter VA, six total against Ottawa. Like, they can make some hay there. That's the kind of stretch where they could take, oh, my God, what's the math on that? It's five games, it's 11 games, it's 14 games. I mean, you could see them taking 11 out of those 14, and then, you know, it's not the end of the world if they went four and five in a stretch here. Um, but for Tri-City, like, I think the urgency is there. Like, this is the opportunity, knowing that New Jersey has that coming. Like, if they let... You know, New Jersey take four of six in this stretch from them. Like this could be, this could be an ugly one, especially considering that uh, Tri City's schedule is New Jersey, New York, New Jersey, and then go to Quebec, and then Sussex, Quebec, 
New York, Sussex, and then they end with Trois-Rivières. Like, I mean, this is it. Tri City needs to make a dent here. I would agree. I make a dent. It makes it sound like they're down, but it's they gotta not. Ma- but they they got to get what they can get let, now. Yeah. They can't spot Jersey anything here. They got to try to bury them a little bit. The only thing I would say here, and there's two points. One mm-hmm. is that while, yes, having easier opponents is typically a good thing, makes it easier to win games. And that's the important thing at the end of the day. I would say, though, for each Jersey loss in that easy stretch, it hurts them more. Because there's less of a chance to gain that ground back. Every time that one of these teams in front of you wins, they're knocking out other teams. So if Quebec beats Tri-City, they're gaining a lot more ground on you. There's an opportunity to climb out of that hole more when you're playing teams that are in front of you as opposed to teams that are behind you. So, yeah, it's harder, but there's also more of a pathway to getting out of it. That's one thing. Second thing is, looking at this playoff picture as it sits now after you know the Thursday games are done... Sussex and New York are kind of done, to be quite honest. I mean, I don't want to roll them out entirely here. They still have about a month or so to get back into it. But Sussex is three and a half out, and they have not looked particularly good. The Boulders have been playing about 500 ball as of recent, and they're five, they're four games out. So they're not, you know, the hottest team either. Maybe that makes you say, well, the Sussex games are going to be harder because they're going to be playing desperate. But you start looking at the home road split for the Miners. Fantastic team on the road, or on the at home, twenty-two and nine at home. On the road, sixteen and twenty. So like good team, but not like able to really win away from home. And I'm looking at this here, and they have to go to Tri City. They have to go to Tri City twice, actually. And they have to go up to Canada. They have to go up to Canada twice. Both uh, once Quebec, once Three Rivers here. They have some Empire State in there. But that's about really it. They end with Empire State too, I should say. But like, I wouldn't say that they're the toughest team in the world to play if you're one of the teams that has to get those games back. Same thing with Rockland. Their schedule isn't fantastic either. But I would agree that Tri-City needs these. But at the same time, I think they could kind of come back from it a little bit easier. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, the way I look at it, if we're sort of framing it again as like more of a, you know, these losses, losses could mean a lot more uh, to Jersey. Is also the tension of, you know, a lot of these are divisional matchups where, yeah, they're playing a weak, ses- a weak piece of the schedule here, but this is already, you know, a group of teams that the teams that they are battling at the top of the standings have, you know, mostly beaten too. So like yeah. looking at like, I was, you know, we were actually talking about the Tri-City uh, weird quirk of Tri-City losing games like seemingly once a series to Empire State, uh, to Empire State, yeah. and, or a Tri-City losing to Empire State. And, it, you know, you, you like to go, well, it's just one, like you drop one Empire State. But Stocks, if you drop three to Empire State and a bunch of other teams you're battling with drop none, like that's a weird, like those are, oh, not to gimme games, it sounds so bad, but like those are games you got to get because everyone else is getting them. They're, like it's they're one almost thing. buy if games, right? One to Quebec, you're like everyone's yeah, losing one to Quebec, whatever. Yeah, yeah you just got to cash it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, hit your short putts. You know, there you go. Here's some yeah. golf talk for you. You know, but it, that's that's one where you look at it and and you say, man, like it's weird going to series. Like they have five games against Empire State, and I look at them like they got to take all five. <laughs> like it sounds crazy, but there's what seven and zero against Empire State so far this year. And I just think, yeah, they they gotta take they gotta go twelve and zero at Empire State this year to keep battling in that. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, they actually have lost exactly one each series, but uh, it's just like in my head, I'm almost writing the miners off because I don't think they've done enough in the second half to really tell me that they're a team that we got to worry about. So I'm not really viewing those games as like too much of a struggle if you're, you know, the Valley Cats there. And so if you're writing the miners off, you have to kind of do the same thing to the boulders because they're basically the same team at this point. So if you're doing that, then you end with at New York and then home against the Miners at Three Rivers. That's a fairly easy nine-game stretch. You have one series at home against Quebec. You go on the road to Quebec as well. So those aren't exactly the easiest here, but it's pretty much every other series you have a tough opponent, it looks like. So if that's the case here, I think they can manage it. But yeah, I see what you're saying about Dropping games to the teams like Empire State are, you know, it's not great. Those are basically buy games, right? Like you, you yeah. almost pay money so that way you say it, beat them. Yeah. I'll keep saying it because I already got shit for saying this about other travel teams. They're born to <laughs> die, and so when you let them live, it's a problem. And it's not yeah. like it. And that's that's the thing that gets me here too. It's not like these are close, hard fought losses. It's a ten one loss. It's a uh, a seven two loss. There's what other one was in here. There's a 9-3 loss in June. Like, these are just, they're bad losses. There's no way around it. Which does yeah. give me some pause here. But, you know, it's just an interesting situation here. Yeah. Um, the pushback I'll give, and pushback is a more aggressive term than even I mean. But, like, just yeah. for the sake of discussion, on the Sussex point, because I do see what you're seeing, and I'm not really... I'm not buying Sussex County stock right now. Um, but where this could get interesting is, so this weekend, you got Sussex against Quebec for three. Yep. You got Tri-City, Tri-City and New Jersey for three, right? So then Tri-City goes uh, three with New York, three with New Jersey, three with Quebec before playing Sussex again. Sussex goes three with Ottawa, three with Empire State, three with Trois-Rivières. If... Sussex goes six and three in those nine, and Tri City goes three and six in that in their nine. All of a sudden, we are looking at a series where if Sussex County takes two out of three, we have a situation on our hands for the Valley Cats, which is crazy to think because they're up what five and a half right now. Yeah, but that would put them uh, quick math, which is not quick because I am Catholic school educated, baby. Um, that would be a one game lead then with nine to play about. That's uh, like that's a, that's more of a tense situation. I guess twelve to play. Um, see, see, yeah. So that's where I look at it. Where I'm like, you know, Sussex. As long as they battle and beat the teams they should be beating, which for the most part they do. I mean, we're talking bad about them. Like they're not nine games or five hundred right yeah, now. Yeah, that's the thing. They're still um, a good team. That's why I was saying, like in the intro, my heart breaks for at least two teams that we're about to talk about because they should make the postseason mm-hmm. over some teams in the West. Sussex right. is one of those teams where. I just yeah. don't think they get in. There's at least three better teams in front of them. It's just a matter of if they got the benefit of playing like Florence and Washington and Lake Erie and Windy City, they would probably be at about 50 wins right now. 50, 55 yeah. wins. Because they're, they'd be getting a weaker slate of opponents here. And I don't think anyone's going to sit here and, and argue that playing Gateway, Schaumburg, Evansville, and whoever the hell is in the four hole this week is tougher than playing Quebec, New Jersey, or is easier than playing Quebec, New Jersey, Tri-City, yeah, 
New York, you know, this this loop goes on. Even the third place team in this division is 500. There's two weak teams and one's a travel team. So like, and even the other weak team is would be in contention in the West. So like, I'm not really contention, but you know, they wouldn't be bottom feeders over there. So it's a tougher conference. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I follow. Um, I'm, I'm just looking through. Yeah, the... Oh, hold on. Doing some quick math here. It looks like... Yeah, of the bottom... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams, six of them are in the West. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why. We're not just bashing on the West for no reason. It's just that there's a difference, and it's tough. But, yeah. you know, that's how it is. You've got to play teams in front of you. Um, what, I'll, what I'm saying is, if you're Sussex County... You know, you got to keep battling with it because there is a shot. Um, if you're Tri-City, man, like, just got to keep finding ways to take two out of three. Boy, that's so much easier said than done looking at the schedule, though, huh? It is. Um, I will say this much, though. Part of what's going to get in Sussex County's way is also New York. Because New York's got a similar problem in front of them. They are at home for three rivers for four, five, and six. Then they have the Valley Cats, like we mentioned, at also at home. Three, they're there. Then they go up to Ottawa for three. They come back home for Empire State for three. They go up to Quebec. They have a regular game on 18. On 19, it says game two of a doubleheader, but there's only one game listed, so my guess is there was a different game that got rained out and just got put to here. And then that Sunday is a doubleheader as well. So they have four in Quebec. Not great, but good news is you have the Monday off day for the road to get back home. Then three more against Empire State. They have the Valley Cats for three. And they have to go back up to Quebec. God, God, that must suck. Go up yeah, to right. Quebec for another three there. And then they have New Jersey for four. Which, again, sounds a lot worse. But should... First off, you have a double header in there. So you figure mm-hmm. you're not seeing the best of New Jersey in both of those games. A. B, you have to imagine by the last day of the year, New Jersey has their playoff spot fairly well in hand. And yeah. especially if you have the positioning put where either they're locked into the one or they're locked in at the two, you know, you don't have a lot of incentive to play guys for that you're going to need in like two or three days from now. On and the if floor. we learn anything from his time in Lexington, PJ will rest guys. Like, yeah. Remember, they so. punted that second half. They had that ridiculous first half in Lexington when he was there, and then they finished that year at 500 before the playoff round. Like that's how hard they punted that second half. Like exactly. uh, there's other things going on too with that whole you know unique drama that year. But like yeah. it is noteworthy that like he is not he he has that game plan typically. So yeah, and um, it's not yeah, even a home game. So it, that's an away series. They there's really zero incentive to play the Keon Barnums of your team. Got to, yeah, I would not be surprised to see some pitchers left at home for those games. So, I mean, that opens um, the door if you are in New York. So I wouldn't rule them out. And so if you have that there, that's going to get in Sussex way, which then becomes the question of Quebec, Tri-City, New Jersey, who's going to be that team? I think we can kind of agree New Jersey should be one of the top two. Worst case yeah. is a three for them, but even then I think they're they're playing a home playoff game at some point. Well, a home in quotations playoff game. It's a matter of figuring out what Tri-City, if they're able to hold on here against the toughest of these team schedules, 
and uh, what Quebec does. Quebec's the Quebec's honestly kind of the wild card, and why I think this series means a good bit to them, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that one. Yeah, have we mentioned their schedule yet? Um, I'm just honestly, we've been throwing around schedules, so I've kind of lost track in all this excitement. Uh, shoot, do we? I'm just uh, looking through my tabs. Well, either way, I'll go. I'll just run over it real quick, being that we've sure. mentioned it now. Yeah. So, like I said, before this schedule, this weekend, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it is at home against the Miners. Then the, the series in question against New Jersey at New Jersey. They come back home. So, a really stupid road trip here. But yeah. whatever. They come back home to play Three Rivers for three. They stay at home to play another three against Tri-City. They stay at home again. So, a nine-game homestand here. Or, no, wait. It's more than that. It's a ten-game homestand at least. A because they have the boulders for four. Then they head down to Tri-City for three. Then they go over to Sussex for three. Monday off day back home against the boulders. And then they finish at home against Ottawa. So yeah. in there, um, there's tough games, I, but there's also winnable games. That's one of the more balanced schedules I feel like we're seeing. Yeah, um, because you have a lot of 50-50 toss-up games. Even if you want mm-hmm. to give them six games, the three for Ottawa and the three for Three Rivers, you have, what, four, seven, seven against the Boulders. If we include this series, that'll be half over by the time this episode comes out. They have three, six against the Miners. And three six against the Valley Cats, and then the three against New Jersey. Honestly, if you can, do you think four and five against New Jersey and the Valley Cats is good enough? If you can take a winning record against the Miners, Boulders, and then presumably only drop one or two to uh, the Ottawa Three Rivers. I think that may be good enough. Yeah, I think it might be too. I definitely like, I would say, I just, I like Quebec to win most of these series. With that, I, I like Quebec to probably hang on and take the division still. Um, I think, I think this could basically flip flop Quebec and Tri City. I think Quebec will get on a run. I think Tri City, I don't know, man, that's so tough. That's I'm like looking at that. But their schedule is just so much more difficult. Like that's I, I get that like hey you can get games back easier, but you can also lose those games easier too. Like there is a flip to this. Yeah. I, I think this top three will hold, even if Sussex somehow makes it dramatic. I think it ends Quebec, Jersey, Tri City in the playoffs. And we're gonna have a Tri City Jersey series, which is gonna be <laughs> so cranky. Oh man, there's gonna be so much fun there. So see here's the thing. Tri City's playing very good baseball right now. And so is New Jersey. So, like, I feel like they're safe. And, like, I'm so deathly afraid of doubting Quebec like I did in the beginning of the year. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're just able to flick a switch. And when they hit that switch, they become such a juggernaut of a team that it doesn't seem like anyone can stop them. But I look then at the schedules. I'm like, there's a pathway for both the Myers and Boulders, but I did just say, like, their seasons are over. You can kind of write them off, even if that was a bit extreme, and it certainly was. But, <laughs> like, it's just you need... The problem is the three teams that are in the playoff spot right now, in some way or form, control their own destiny, right? 
they each have yeah. a pathway where they can control it. New Jersey has a lot of very easy games they can just kind of wipe up. And as long as it does not go terribly wrong this week and they go like in their next, what would it be, nine games, they go like two and seven or three and six. As long as something like that does not happen, they'll be fine. They're at worst playing a wild card game. And if they yeah. can play like, they can go five and four, or six and three. Odds are they're hosting the wild card game at worst. They managed to do even better than that. They're probably in the driver's seat for this whole thing. In the case of the Valley Cats, mm-hmm. yeah, they have a harder slate there. But again, like if in every six games you go like five hundred for every six games, three and three, three and three, three and three, that should be good enough at worst to have you hosting a wild card game. At least in my view of it. And I think they're good enough to not be in that boat. Right? And like I said with Quebec, I yeah. Quebec has a fairly balanced schedule, right? So there's probably six wins that we feel very good about on there. There's at least six losses on there that we can feel fairly strong about. And then that just kind of leaves the remaining bit. Right, that relieves that leaves what about twenty or so games, give or take. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So they yep. probably have to do a little bit better than five hundred in those twenty games. I would say probably in the neighborhood of like thirteen and seven, twelve and eight. I feel yeah, like that's fair. I feel like that's a. F- I was thinking twelve and eight. Was that that was the number in my head? Twelve and eight plus they have a lot of games against New York and Sussex too. So those were almost kind of as a double. Yeah. So there's that. Honestly, that's the really the question mark for me when it comes down to here. And I hopefully the segment wasn't too messy. And obviously it wasn't so much focusing in on the, the series we were hoping for, but there was more of a greater big picture effect than the inner working series here. That's why we picked it. Uh but what it yeah, and I, yeah. I guess, sorry to hop in real quick before we move along. I, I think my looking at these schedules, the thing that I'm seeing is, and, it, and it's bizarre because again, it is Tri City, New Jersey, Quebec right now. I think because of the number of teams that should be beatable on Jersey's schedule, because of the number of uh, games that Quebec has, or I guess the lack of games that Quebec has against like Sussex, I still think it's more likely that Tri City gets caught by Sussex then the two teams are actually closer to them right now, which is crazy, I know. But like, just having six games head-to-head against a team that's five games behind you is just like, it, I will always be wary of that situation, especially when it's a team that is nine games above 500. Um, I, I would just say that is the weird thing that I'm kind of holding on to currently is the fact that the schedule for Tri-State just seems treacherous to me in a way that the other ones just don't. And I think the potential for a real slide is there if some one or two things go sideways. See, the the only problem I have there is there's only about 25 or so games left. And when you're five back, that's just a, such a bad ratio to have to make up that much ground in such a short period of time. Like, I understand the games, and I think I touched on that about five minutes ago when we started this segment, in that, yeah, when you're playing the team you're trying to catch, it makes it easier to catch them. But it also makes it easier to fall behind. So it just, it feels like to me that it's just going to be so hard to make up that much ground in such a short period of time. We were having this discussion two weeks ago. Then, yeah, I I feel 
fairly decent about it. But also two weeks ago, we were living in a situation where the Valley Cats hadn't tore off for nine straight yet. And like I said, there's just so much momentum there, right? That it's going to be hard. Plus, keep in mind, Tri-City did most of that run without Aaron Altier. Now they have him back. And that's a, certainly a difference maker, too. And New Jersey just yeah. got more guys back, too. I think Forbes was the main one. I don't think Quebec's really added anybody. Sussex hasn't really added anybody. New York hasn't really added anybody. Like, it's, you know, what they are we doing? They also did most of that run against Lake Erie and Juliet, though. Fair, but, like, it's still... That's why, that's the only reason I hesitate. I mean, Look, I, nine wins, nine fair. wins. Like, oh, hey, it, I'm not saying it's not... I, I, I'm still putting Tri-City in the playoffs today, but I will say I I think the way the matchups are laid out, I think it leaves them in an oddly vulnerable spot for a team that's as good and has been as hot as they are. I, I would give you that. They're almost like a Death Star kind of team where it's like they're very good. There's a lot to be afraid of them for, but they have that ventilation port that leads directly to the core that could blow it up in any second. Yes, exactly. I... Uh, yeah, you're right on there. Yeah, I I would say that. But uh, before we get into the hot or not bit, I suppose any sort of prediction for the actual <laughs> series we're supposed to talk about here in Quebec going to Hinchcliffe there? Because I feel like this is a series where Quebec could take that. Power hitting team that's a uh, better pitching team than New Jersey. I feel like there's enough there where they take two out of three. I mean, uh, shoot. Um I think on that for a sec. Um, just also looking at pitching matches, they will not have Tavares against them, which is a plus if you're Quebec. Um, yeah. This, that Jersey team is so good at home, though, man. I think they take two or three. See, yeah, I, I get that. I really do. But, like, when you start looking into it a bit more, they allow a lot of home runs, and Quebec can hang with New Jersey as far as, you know, slugging goes. Granted, New Jersey's a top two hitting team. I'm not going to argue that. But I just feel like when we start really getting into it, it starts getting thinner quicker. See, I don't know. I, I, I get that Quebec is the third most home runs, but they have 29 home runs less than Jersey. They also don't play like, Hinchcliffe. It's true. But that team hits bombs at Hinchcliffe. And I think, like, it, that's just hard to ignore. This team is built to win in that ballpark. And, I mean, that's going to be an issue in the playoffs. <laughs> I think that's going to be fascinating when they no longer have that ballpark to play in. But I think uh, I it's I don't – I am not in a position where I'm willing to bet against the Jackals at this point in time. I mean, at that's, that's fair. At home. <laughs> Big note. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. But, I mean, also keep in mind, Quebec also can get extra base hits, too. So it's not just home runs. Like, yeah, the Jackals are up there. They're right up there with New York. And both of those ballparks are very conducive to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I get that. But as far as Quebec goes, they're not, like, all that far behind for playing a ballpark that's not exactly built for that. I just, you know, I... Like, and, yeah. and I see what you're saying. And, and the other thing I'll point out to more toward your side of things as well is that the Jackals are so prone to just a terrible series. Like, I was like, oh man, how long has it been since I lost the series at home? Uh, three series ago, they got lost two out of three to Florence. So like, yeah. they're, they'll do that. <laughs> they will do that. And 
it is a little hard to predict. I mean, it is a power team, and if you know you can avoid giving up bombs to a power team, then you're in a situation. Um, I'm just looking here. Yeah, that, uh, that's the, really the stat to look at. How how many home runs allowed? I mean, uh, most in the league, back. 91 for New Jersey. Yeah, which also makes sense of the ballpark. But I was more looking yeah. at the teams against them. I, I bet. Yeah. Um, well, also to that theory. I mean, Florence gives up a lot of bombs, and they made them you know, work yeah. for that series. So. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think New Jersey got to make consistencies, uh, which I think power teams tend to have. But yeah. I, I just still like them over Quebec right I now. It, man, but like, there's such a difference of, in pitching. Yeah. Like, I, know, I understand and I think the win Quebec a game. Yeah. I just... I, see, I think it impacts the series. I think over a three-game series, you start to really see it. Because, I mean, like, and again, I understand the ballpark's a big factor in this and having, you know, a ballpark neutral set of stats for the Frontier League would really help here. But, I know. But being that we don't have that, we can only kind of work with what we have here. And it's just like the problem I come back to as well is these teams are also very similar in a way where it's just like with Quebec, they kept the dial a little bit closer to pitching. And with New Jersey, they kept it a little bit closer to hitting. So, but I mean, then again, there's like, what, 27 fewer home runs allowed by Quebec? That's yeah, but again, that ballpark. I get it, but like, if we're going to say that ballpark for home runs against is the reason it's going up, well, then Quebec, you know, they know. Have 27 fewer in a less home run friendly ballpark and hit how many fewer? themselves yeah um I, I should have come prepped with some uh run justed i could have yeah. definitely calculated that but um yeah, about I 20 mean, actually what's kind of funny is the difference is 29 home runs for in the case of quebec versus jersey and it's 27 home runs against in the case of quebec versus new jersey so it's nearly no break even yeah new jersey's still <laughs> plus two but i mean that's such a small margin where you know you could argue it's negligible. In summary, okay. The based on the frankly mind-boggling park factors I've just stumbled into, which I'm going to check all that math again at some point, but that's not a right now thing. I've got Quebec and New Jersey both with a 97 ERA plus right now, okay. which is shocking. But that is how Quebec's ballpark's been playing. Um, then. On the offensive side, I've got New Jersey with a 134 OPS plus and Quebec with a 124. So, like, the way I would quantify that is, like, all in all, like, I would give New Jersey most games on average like a 2% edge in win probability, which, if they're in Quebec, honestly, I'd give it a 0%. And it would just be a 50-50 split any game they play in Quebec. So, they are in Jersey, so I'd say, like, probably, like, I give Jersey on any given day like a fifty-three percent chance to get a win, but that's close as hell. I, it's pitching wise, I did not expect to end up landing on that, but I guess that's what happens when you have pitching in that environment on both sides. It's so weird that Quebec's home stats have been so odd. I had no idea. All I can say is, I'm glad we took a ten-minute detour that no one's going to hear <laughs> because I had to cut it out so that way we could come away with. There's a 2% edge for New Jersey, a number that, for all intents and purposes, is near negligible. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, as long as we did that. 
any case, that feels like a good spot to uh, to leave off the series talk. We're going to quickly try to run through some hot or not teams to wrap up this show this week because we've just kind of been drifting here for about 20, 25 minutes now. So, uh, yeah, let's, not bad. So let's go ahead and run through some hot or not teams. Uh, Tri-City, one of the hotter teams. They're 9-1 and one their last 10, seven losses now since the 1st of July, if my counting is correct. One of, if not the best record in the league still, so certainly a hot team there. So hot. So hot. Do you like that input? I, I love that input. Is it like Bennett Klinsky at a bachelorette party? Dude, salami for everybody. Ah, uh, got you know, maybe a little too much salami talk. <laughs> That's fair. I, you're making America, it sound huh? like we're in a deli with all the salami talk. Hey, man, we're slinging it around. You know, ah, another hot team, Schaumburg Boomers, eight and two in their last ten. Uh, game back in the West, uh, six or more runs in every win since the 21st of June. Yeah, man, that is something we didn't talk about, but them sitting. A- game back in that division like that thing that race going to get good they got a series with gateway i think like well with a week to go so like the second to last weekend of the season they have gateway coming in for three and that could be electric so if you down for a little bit of we didn't talk much west division we didn't talk any west division really but if you want to talk about that that's out there so we can follow up there i mean it, that's the thing that we'll talk about next week so that we just keep yeah. things moving there but yeah, that that's a team that, like I always say, they are built for playoffs. They are built for that down the stretch run. They're a team that doesn't much care for the regular season, even though this has been going on for quite some time, over a month, about six weeks now. So they can perform in the regular season, but where they thrive is when it starts to get down into the trenches. They're they're built for that. It's the thing that does interest me most with Schaumburg. And Gateway, to be fair, is beyond that race for first. They are, I mean, they're now five games ahead of third place Evansville. So even if Schaumburg or Gateway starts to fade out of the first place race, if as long as they stay a safe distance ahead of Evansville, they're still going to have that opportunity to start lining up pitching, and that's going to help them out. Um, I really think probably the whole West is going to be able to do that unless Washington really puts some heat on and Evansville starts sliding. But I just don't see that. I don't see either... I don't see Evansville sliding that bad. I don't see Washington getting that hot that consistently. So, or Windy City for that matter. But they have one for now. Anyway, semantics. My point being, yeah, at least all the West teams are going to be able to land their pitching a little bit. Will that make a difference by the time they reach those East Division teams? I doubt it. But it's at least going to make for a smart change series. Hmm, definitely there. And Florence is 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They're tied for last in the West. Manhandled for the last two months. Yeah, not good. The vibes are super bad. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just there's not much even good to be like, well, at least that's going well. Nope. Yeah. So uh, also doing poorly, Lake Erie. Uh, they were at six straight losses. I'm not sure they won tonight. I seven think they, now. Seven. Yeah. Oh, they, they blew it against Windy City? Yeah. I mean, hey, look, they'd won two out of three before the stretch. So well, there's that. Fair. Yeah, Windy City now won four in a row. Hot. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, good news is uh, they made me a liar because Florence is no longer tied for last in that division. Lake Erie holds that crown now. All I have here is harpooned their season. 
<laughs> nice. I like that. I got no, and no, I will not add anything else. Fair, fair enough. And also, I just want to report back for the final bit of zoology talk for the day. Uh, between the uh, St. Paul pig and these boomers walking around Schaumburg, the pig is way cuter, and it's not particularly close either. All right, man. All right, man. Whatever, whatever you need to feel. People love the pig talk. They're going to come running. I hate it so much. That's why we keep doing it. Speaking Bro. of things that we already discussed and have moved on from, but we keep coming back to, Lexington, they're another cold team. I was about to say, man, I it's funny. I know it's bad. I see the games every day, and it's still just is so jarring to see a 3-20 and 20 in the standings. As I was about to say, three wins in the second half, 11 and a half back in the division. And this one, I just have the note of just a mess. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, man, there's nothing to really even feel good about, like, which is sad and terrible, but I don't know. What do you do with that? And the weird thing was, like, they're not good, but, like, that's not, I wouldn't have tagged them as, like, on the cusp of having a major meltdown. The, the one thing I did see, and I tweeted about this before the second half started, was that they are a team who they beat bad teams, but they had a really a really bad record against teams above 500, and they have a lot of games against teams above 500 uh, this half. So we're seeing you know, maybe some of that here. Only count I'm going to say to any of that is, weren't you the one that made the predictions and had them as either the worst or second worst team in the league at the start of the year? Uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So then, really, were they that far away from a major collapse? I mean, I didn't, so, huh? Uh, I'm thinking it through. I mean, I predicted them to not do great. I, I definitely, I'm, I know, always open to adapt on that. And as the season went on, I just kind of built up some hope with me. I was like, not hope, but like, oh, like, okay. It's like, they got something going here that maybe I didn't initially realize or, you know, they're just, they're getting momentum going and they seem to be better than I would have predicted. But nope, 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 nope. They really proved me right by proving me wrong, which is an interesting way to sort of process some things. All right. As far as things to look for with Lexington, we're just rooting for Dillard. Yeah, and he hasn't homered either in about a week, which is tough. Still has 30 of them, even if he is batting below 270. Yeah, I know. But when he hits them, man, he hits them far. He just he just needs uh, to hit them though. That's that's the key. I know. There, you know, that's it's got a real Schwarber vibe going. Mm. Not a lot of contact. Well Well, I mean, yeah, hold on, that's not saying he's well, no, he does strike out a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Damn. Well, I, I want it to go well. I want good things there, but it's how tough. many total I'm trying to think what the pace is for uh, Lexington right now. I can do that math on my own. If you would like to continue on, I don't want to slow this up anymore. Yeah, right. Well, a uh, team that's doing well, though, uh, King County. Uh, I had them at four straight wins when I started this. They may be at five. They may be at zero now, but they're eight and two in their last ten. They're back in a playoff spot. And somehow only a game and a half out of first play or second place in their division. Yeah, they're making a push. Um Again, just a team without, you know, they don't stand out, but they also have a lot of holes. And I think that's a, that teams like that are able to navigate most of, uh, at least 
long stretches of time without going on a losing streak and usually winning series. And I think we're, we're kind of seeing that work out for them now. Uh, another hot team we have is the Missoula Paddleheads. Uh, 11 and 3 starts in the second half. I believe they're also perfect in the knockout round, and they're winning in a couple different ways, too. So good for them. They're doing all sorts of stuff well. Like, I really thought that, you know, something was going to happen. They had Great Falls. Great Falls was looking hot, and they handled them this week. Just 6 4, 13 4, 16 8. <laughs> okay. And before that, it was Glacier who was the hot, threatening team, and they dropped the first one, 9 7, then went 3 2, 11 5. Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. Oh, I'm sorry. They took a what four out of six against them. That's right. Yeah. I mean, they murdered them in the one game. It's just they're so good. Missoula is so good. They're very good at the baseball. Definitely, they they are. And as we talked about in the past, you can see why they recruit well too. You can oh just, my god! I know. It's everything. They're so good at everything. Oh god! Like there's a, there's a super league thought and a whole train of thought where. One day when it's like the middle of December, we're just going to let it run wild. But man. Yeah, we will. The offseason is going to be electric. But for now, for now, just wonder if they pull these next three out against Billings, which, you know, we'll they see. They should. Um, they should indeed. But if they do, is that enough to get them close to my rankings? That's the question. No. Next question. Fair enough. I, I don't even mean that in a mean way, especially because I was really leading the, the bandwagon there for a while on them. It's just like this past week was so tough to for me to rank only 10. There was like 14 of them that I wanted to rank. And like, mm-hmm. because it, you get into the eternal problem of, I would say like the top five, because like there's always five teams that are going to be on there. You know, we're going to be on there for certain. It's just a matter of where we're going to put them. There are some real questions of this team is better over the last week or two, but this is still the better overall team. And if they were to play head to head, would absolutely crush the hot team. And then it gets into is this a power ranking or is this just like a genuine overall ability of the team ranking? And that's kind of where I sided on it. I was like, overall ranking of the team and the direction where they're going and the overall skill of the team has to take priority over they're just doing well as of reason yeah and that's why like sometimes i'll float the ducks up you know a little bit higher in that ranking even if like they haven't been running up a lot of wins over a stretch just because like i stay aware of the fact that they're taking their foot off the gas a little bit yeah i think that's also part like it's just a weird big picture thing on the ranking sometimes of and I saw somebody comment, like, how is a second-place team have a first-place team? It's like, yeah, because, you know, a team can be absolutely killing it, but then free-falling, and they're almost, you know, you know, they're almost getting past. Like, it's not what this is about. It's more about today. If The, like, the way I think about it is today, if, this, if Team A played Team B, who would win? Okay, that team's ahead of them. And then you kind of start breaking it down from there. Yeah. That's... Yeah, pretty much that's spot on to it. And I saw the same comment too, and I know who commented it. And it's like, here's how. I should have followed up. Yeah. I usually respond to comments. That was on me. I was just busy at the time. Yeah, I just didn't want to. Uh, and I, oh, I'm honest, if nothing else. And I came back to just because you're in first place does not mean you're a better team. No. Like you could very well play in a weaker league. Am I gonna? Are you gonna sit here and tell me that Missoula is a better team than Milwaukee? 
Are Missoula's a yeah. better team than York? No, they're not. And, and remember, not. I'm the one who will go to war with people in the comments because I'll post, like I posted like what my rankings would have been at the end of the year last year. And I had a team that uh, I think was out, and I think it was the American Association where I had the team that lost the championship ahead of the team that won it. And I was like, oh, how can you do that? They just beat them. I'm like, yeah, but like, I think if they played 100 games instead of five, in you would have got a different result. In fairness, like, I don't know what to tell you. In fairness, Milwaukee and Fargo were pretty damn even. That mm-hmm. said, dude, Fargo was, was a better team. They were a better team. Yeah. They, um, they had a way more difficult road to go through and played in a better conference. Who would, like, with all due respect to Milwaukee, because they are, they were quite clearly the second or third best team, depending on how high you had Kansas City. I'm just saying, like... Yeah, I, I forget if it was that one. It might have been a Frontier League thing, but, like, yeah. either way, it, that it was... It could very well be Frontier. It, I, if it was Frontier, but then again, you'd have Schaumburg over Quebec. Yeah, no. I'm trying yeah. to remember what it was. It wasn't Atlantic League, was it? It might have been. I might have had Gastonia over High Point. That could have been it. I mean, that could, if that was the case, then, yeah, I could see it. Um, that would be fair. I mean, guess what? Lancaster beat High Point, right? Uh, yeah, Lancaster beat High Point. High Point beat Gastonia in uh, that like late game five. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, because you want to rank the Pioneer League. Because I could see you saying that uh, Grand Junction was a better, was a worse team than Missoula. That'd be a fair comment. Mm. Even though they're surprisingly yeah. even, all things considered. Yeah, I feel you. I got, I'd have to look into that more. I wasn't even. It wasn't where my head was at necessarily. Um, seeing who else was out there on that Milwaukee run. Yeah, no, I definitely, I don't know. We shouldn't get into it, but yeah, this is dragged out long enough. That's on me. Eh, any case, uh, other Pioneer League teams that we have listed, only two of them, Rocky Mountain Hot, 10-4 and four to start the second half in a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Looks to have turned the corner. Glacier on the meanwhile, cold. Uh, they're currently blowing a strong first half. They're 4-10. and ten. To start the second half, two and eight in their last ten, seven games back of first, and they're about two up in the wild card at the moment. But there's still a lot of road, which is both a good and bad thing for them. Yeah, it is going pretty sideways, pretty quick there. But they have time to salvage it. I mean, uh, I think they play the same wild card rules as uh, the Atlantic League. Uh, and with yeah. that, they got a. I mean, they're so they're a game away from Boise, which is the issue. Um, that's where they want to be careful, but. Um, they are, I think there's do, 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 like seven games of separation, yeah. maybe five games of separation between the next team. So no, it's seven games. Yeah. So seven game separation between them and the team that's like third in the wild card. So that's the silver lining, I would say. But and Rocky Mountain does. lost tonight too, for those keeping track at home, but Missoula won. So mm, there you go. Yep. I wonder if Ogden's going to shake off hey, the hangover they Glacier got Glacier one two, Glacier one two, good for them. How about it? Back Five at and it. Ten now. Oh man, yeah. Pioneer League West Coast West Baseball. It's always like this point in the show where I'm like, oh my god, their games are over. I need to like move on with my day. Shit. <laughs> That's the good and bad thing with the Pioneer League is always there. All right, so this ends hot and cold after a major detour that you will one day hear on a cutting room floor episode, along with probably a decent amount from this show. But 
We have just some crystal ball slash prop stuff to clean up real quick, and then we will be done. So let's see if we can't get in and out in five minutes here. Uh, three crystal brawls coming up here. Uh, this week will be, we'll practically eliminate two Eastern teams from the Frontier League playoff hunt. Not mathematically eliminate, but practically speaking, eliminate two teams after, come this time next week. What was that question? I'm so sorry. I got so lost in that. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> admittedly, I, I, admittedly, I didn't word it right. So, uh, essentially, after this week, two teams are going to be, practically speaking, eliminated from playoff contention. Not mathematically, it just the climb that will need to happen in about three weeks will just not be practically possible. Kind of the same position Ottawa's in right now, where mathematically, they're not eliminated, but there's no way in hell they're doing it. Maybe just not to that extreme. And we were talking Frontier? Yes, we're talking Frontier, Eastern Division. I don't think so. I mean, yeah. And part of it goes back to what we talked about, just there's a lot of head-to-head games left that you know could keep people close. See, I just think there's going to be one or two teams that just have a bad week at the wrong time. And that's kind of my thinking. Boulders could do it. You're right. See, all it takes is one. All it takes yeah, is one. Fair enough. And if, depending on the... Let me start again, where it will be easier to understand. <laughs> if the right team has a bad week, it's going to screw somebody else over two. Very true. I'll so. give you maybe one. I don't know. I know it's a, a, a light answer, but I still feel like teams will hang around another week. I think next week is really where we start to see the, the, the next round of cutting in that league. Yeah, right. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, in the American Association, their West Division playoff picture is largely set. So there may be one or two teams that jockey positions, but the teams that are in there now are going to be the team that are in there come Labor Day weekend. Is that the the question? Yes, yes, that is. That is yes, the point. I agree. I, I'm not gonna... overly confident in Lincoln, but I don't see Sioux Falls doing anything that's going to catch him. Uh, wait, what about Winnipeg? Okay. <laughs> also nominated. <laughs> also nominated. But look, they're only seven games back. Which, oh my God, also Fargo's five hundred. What happened Bro, there? Christ. It's just no, sh- no. Not even going to entertain it. No. It's not, it's not going to, not going to happen. I feel bad. I love the fact that we have three teams within a half game of each other, though. So the West is still somewhat entertaining. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, like we know what this is. Yeah. We know. It's- and the last one, it's admittedly not much, but it is something. The Atlantic League will be boring this week. No major movements, no major streaks, no large transactions, and hopefully nothing embarrassing on or off the field. It's just going to be kind of a boring week over there. Oh, uh, it's going to be tough because uh, tomorrow, as we are recording, or technically now today, yeah. is payday in Gastonia. So I do think we could have some interesting. Ah, uh, uh, but here's where you forget one very important thing, sir. This show yes. comes out on Saturday. Yes, but typically they're now paid sometime in the week, maybe after, possibly. So I feel like Friday is just the start. Yes, but by to be fair, by the end of Friday, that bank run's already done. If you're not getting to the bank by three by three p.m., you're done. 
I think the bigger thing in the Atlantic League that we're missing is that Spire City and Lexington are tied in the South Division uh, for the wild card, and I think that's very exciting. They're both a cool 34 and 51. Hmm. Love uh, that. I mean, like, love when be teams more get a really random record, but they, it's both the same. You're like, oh, the, the problem oh, is, while Spire City's a below-average team, Lexington currently is like atomic waste. So it's hard to get more interested in it when it's like, you got three wins. Yeah. You're like, yeah, three no. and 20. Like, what are we doing? I would suggest that this one might have been a bit of a stretch for me. Mm-hmm. Though, is Lexington losing six straight here with that count as a mess? Like, I feel like that's also something embarrassing. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll see two, how that story develops. Yeah. Uh, two props, real quick. Uh, Games back, New Jersey will be come next Friday. Two and a half. Over, under. Oh, shoot. Um, they could be under. Okay. They could be zero. Yeah. Let me think. I even just jotted down. I sketched out how I thought they might do this week. So, hmm. <laughs> I, I do think... For what it's worth, I, I think they, it's going to be over. I think it's going to be three games back because I think I, I do think it'll be three games back as well. I think they'll start a run after that. Yeah, but I do think three games back um, doesn't help that they only got one Tavares game. Lucky for them, it is against Tri City, but I don't even know. I, I, it could be interesting, but I well no because I like them over Quebec. Mm, they'll be two games back. I said the thing. Okay. All right. So taking the under. All right. Yep. And then the last thing for the week, uh, wins for Winnipeg by Thursday. So this would be by the 10th, and this is their overall win total on the year, 32 and a half. They're at 29 right now. 32 and a half. And, and by when? Thursday, the 10th. Ooh, okay, okay. End of day Thursday, so they get the Thursday game in there too. So basically, we're asking if they win three games by Thursday. Yeah, right. Long and short is oh. they have three against Lincoln, three against Kansas City. Are they getting three wins in the next six? No. <sighs> they don't even think they could steal one against Kansas City. Yeah. It hasn't been overwhelming lately. It's a good point. But, I mean, they did just get smacked 13-4 to four by them. So, that's not helpful. Not encouraging, I should say. Like, that, that was uh, better than the 14-2 loss. It got better. Yeah. <laughs> that's an optimistic way to look at things. Um, they are also... Well, last time I played Lincoln, they won three out of four. Before that, though, they did lose three. And they're going so, home. They're going home and they're playing them. Now they don't have an off. And they, and they get the off day. Oh. Where's Lincoln coming mm, in from? That's no. A, hold on. The no. big question here is, is Lincoln having to travel? It? Yeah, see, Lincoln's got to come all the way from uh, Lake Omomomomomomomomomomac. Yeah, but they're doing that on an off day. It's not crazy. Still more true. I mean, yes. True. Both got travel. I, I think they get two wins. Two wins. So you think they end up at 31? Yes. I'm feeling daring. I'm feeling dangerous. Give me the over. I'm going to regret it. it 30, give me the over. It was 32 and a half, correct? Yeah, so they need four. Okay. Oh, God. This isn't good. 
Uh, I shouldn't take any over, but I'm taking the over anyway. Maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe they sweep Lincoln and take like one or two from Kansas City and just prove us all wrong for saying that they're not going to be interesting. Wouldn't that be the biggest plot twist of all when a pig goes on a run, snatches the last spot, Fargo misses the playoffs? Oh, my God. Yeah. Please, I mean, it won't happen, but yeah. The Fargo does not inspire confidence currently, so that's something to watch. Why? Because they have the longest losing streak in the league? Yeah, and like they've had a few like weird streaks. I don't know. They look it, real bad for like weeks at a time. Or, like oh, is it blasphemous for me to say that if you take away their first month of the season, they've been a bad team? No, I think you're dead on. Because like overall, they've been a they've been a pretty mid team. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like I, I want to think of a more hot takey way to say things, but like I'm looking at it and it's just like you hit June twenty or like June twenty eighth, and then just it's like the script flips so hard. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, they're eleven and twenty two since June twenty fourth. In fact, I think they're ten and twenty two. I don't know why I started counting it June 24. Oh, my God. Okay. You know, like, if we had more time, I'd love to see what that compares, how that looks compared to, like, Gary. Because I know Lake Country's been better in that time frame. Yeah, I mean, there's... I I still don't think they get caught by Sioux Falls, though. I mean, I don't think so either. I think Sioux Falls is just that bad, but, like... I also think that the Kansas City, which honestly makes Kansas City Fargo, is that the matchup you pick for Kansas City? Because that's a pain in the we'll ass see, travel. Like, they do play Sioux Falls this weekend, by the way, so we might <laughs> we might come back next week like, huh. Well, even, Sioux Falls can drop two, two out of three on them even. Just well, even if they two, get swept, it's only a back. one game. Yeah, man. So, like... This is not good for them, but like, I'm interested to see what Kansas City does. I think lose that series are done. I'm going to label them done. All right. So does that mean Winnipeg's done? On. Done. Done, done, done. Well, clearly Empire done. State's still in the hunt. Still in. Winnipeg done. Yeah. Empire State is, I can never give up on Empire State. As long as they have games against Tri-State, I have to play. I never feel gray. We got to wrap this, my guy. Oh, because now it's getting stupid. It's- well, it was going to be like, to do list item one of like nine for my night. Oh, you should have known better than to schedule that many things. <laughs> Go flag your stuff so we can end this show. Uh, yeah, uh, Indie Bowl Nation on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah, there you go. We'll probably have a couple of videos coming out, but you and I keep trying to do short videos and it's not going great. So, uh, we'll see because we keep doing this for five hours at a time, which is not what we intended. So, I guess what I would say is, um, we should probably start a GoFundMe for maybe some self control. That's just money wasted. Y'all know, already know where everything is. <laughs> just uh, Indie Ball Pod on Twitter, Indie Ball Report, pretty much everywhere else. Look it up on all the pl- podcast platforms, subscribe there. Try to avoid Stitcher, they're ch- shutting everything down. So, uh, if you're listening on Stitcher, you may want to find a new platform soon. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's a website, got show notes on it, got links to stuff we talked about. Check it out there. And uh, 
Yeah, that's just about it. Uh, we were trying to get this done in 90 minutes. It wound up being three hours, so... We'll see how much gets cut off. Hopefully it's like an hour and a half, but... Uh, yeah, until then, don't forget to uh, play ball. See, I'm waiting until I just hit my crisis moment and become like a SoundCloud rapper. That That's the millennial and Gen Z crisis moment. It's not buying a sports car, it's becoming a mumble rapper. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh God, that may be a post-credit line. Uh, <laughs> uh,